0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson and it seems like it might be about time to get the fire going again. At any rate, here in Ottawa, we celebrated Earth Day with a record for snow cover since they began keeping track in the 1950s. Well, okay, tied for the record with Blazing Hot 2020. And we had lots of company, from Germany to Saudi Arabia to much of the United States, where the Washington Post reported that, quote, a cold April is breaking records and delivering rare snowfall so deep into spring at least 80 million Americans were under frost or freeze alerts from the National Weather Service, with temperatures some 25 degrees below normal in spots." Quote. Now I know, one swallow doesn't make a summer, and if it was true in Aristotle's day, and apparently he did originate that phrase, then it still is, and likewise, one snowstorm does not make a winter. Still, if 80 million Americans were under a heat warning, with temperatures 25 degrees Fahrenheit above normal in spots, you know what they'd say. And this phenomenon is widespread. Frost devastated France's wine grapes and prompted the declaration of an agricultural disaster. England had its coldest spring in eight years, and Germany its coldest April since the First World War and its snowiest since the Berlin Wall fell. And sure, weather fluctuates, but the point is, so does climate. Meaning, Isn't it about time the alarmists admitted that even if their theory is fundamentally right, the evidence does require them to modify its dogmatic substance and tone and concede that there is no direct linear relationship between CO2 and temperature? And if not, to borrow a question from the late Julian Simon, quote, is there any evidence that could dissuade you? Is there any evidence I could give you anything at all that would lead you to reconsider these assumptions, end quote? Because if not, Whatever you're doing, it's not science or reasoning. The newsletter also notes this weird combination of gloom and glee in pronouncements of leaders like Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who said, quote, climate change is the greatest long-term threat that we face as a global community, but it is also our greatest economic opportunity. By taking bold climate action, we will create new jobs for the future, strengthen our economy, and grow the middle class, while also ensuring clean air and water for our kids and grandkids, end quote. And Joe Biden kicked off his virtual climate summit by speaking of a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities." End quote. So are you glad it came along, or are you just prattling? I think it's an unstable mix of the two, because these people are just too invested in a profession and a worldview in which words and visions do the work of deeds. So, right after Canada amped up its commitment from a 30% cut in greenhouse gases from 2005 levels to 2030, they brought it up to a 41 to 45% cut. And then our environment minister told reporters, we won't be increasing the carbon tax. Just going to sow some more magic beans, maybe, or perhaps weeds and salt. Because now that we're talking deep cuts in under a decade, it could get ugly fast. For one thing, sooner or later, their friends may turn on them for all this big talk leading nowhere not even to Paris, let alone beyond, voters might be upset if they dump vast quantities of borrowed money into renewables that don't deliver, and we could face an immense economic and human disaster if they really try to carry out their plans. Trudeau chirped that Canada is, quote, now on track to blow past, end quote, its previous targets, despite having gotten nowhere near meeting them. But for those who think about practicality, Roger Pilkey Jr. calculates that to meet Biden's commitment to a 50% cut in greenhouse gases by 2030, the United States will need to close more than one fossil fuel power plant every three days from now until 2035. And if you want the lights in the furnace to stay on willis eschenbach calculates that the united states would have to quote find sites do the feasibility studies get the licenses and the permits excavate manufacture install test and commission two 2.25 gigawatt nuclear power plants every week until 2030 starting this week end quote unfortunately the people making the promises haven't done the math because they think it's really exciting to reimagine this whole green economy in their minds and then have it spring fully fledged from their foreheads. That's what they mean by opportunity and what most of us mean by disaster. And speaking of disasters, remember those old classic James Bond films where a car would hit a bump then explode like a bomb and burn like the Hindenburg? Well, a Tesla hit a tree in Texas and rescue workers using 30,000 gallons of water over four hours couldn't put out the resulting battery fire. So, imagine a future where everyone's driving one of those things, including in highway crashes. And then think of the extraordinarily dirty process of extracting the raw materials, and then of disposing of the used batteries, along with all those clapped-out wind turbines and solar panels. Oh, and just for laughs, here's a warning from the Center for American Progress, quote, "...advances in lithium-ion batteries have opened the door to flying car development," end quote. But, quote, they will allow wealthy elites to further opt out of common institutions and everyday experiences deepening social segregation, end quote. To say nothing of them plunging from the sky in unquenchable flames like, well, the Hindenburg. In the newsletter, we also note another of those ubiquitous experts say stories. In this case, quote, experts say climate change threatens America's food supply, end quote. Oh, really? Is the United States short of food? Whereas experts really do say trendy technology, from bitcoins to non-fungible tokens that depend on blockchain technology, have a massive carbon footprint. And guess who's mining bitcoins madly? Right, communist China using coal power. In the newsletter, we also continue our dare you to post it on Facebook feature, inviting you to taunt the new fact-check brigade with, quote, climate crisis, please. Scientists know perfectly well the impacts of climate change will be small in the decades ahead. The world will change more to due to demographics, technology, economic growth, population growth, you name it. Climate change will be small beans compared to all that." Quote. Kaboom! Except that one's a paraphrase of a recent IPCC finding, the 5th assessment report in 2013, Chapter 10. So we dare Facebook to ban it. And speaking of science, another study courtesy of CO2Science.org confirms that for tomato seedlings, as for many other plants, Elevated CO2 helps compensate for too little or too much light. Almost as if the stuff was good for them. So good that another paper says rising CO2 helps melon plants, cucumus mellow, fight off cotton aphids, whose name Aphis gossipy should not deceive you into thinking that their least attractive quality is sitting around trading dubious stories about other bugs. No, it's eating food crops. So, let's hear it for CO2, even if it doesn't stop April from feeling like February. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. Sign up, follow us, and send us money. Thank you.